And welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We're so glad you could tune in today. We never take for granted uh, our viewers. We so appreciate your time to spend with us and to give us feedback. In fact, I you know I love every week. There's several of our uh, most faithful watchers who get on uh, you know social media and let us know, hey, I checked you guys out today, yeah. and and uh, and they really enjoyed it. So, you know, today again we're going to be tasked with the amazing, uh, wonderful assignment of taking the Lordship of Jesus Christ and applying it to life. And uh, and I'm really excited to do that. But uh, we've had an amazing week. We always like to recap a little bit about what's going on you know, here in our church family, even though we realize that there are many of you out there watching that uh, have other great churches that you attend, and we praise the Lord for those churches. But um, again, an, another amazing week of ministry. Yeah. Uh, where yeah. do we begin? <laughs> yeah, we had a great, um, on Saturday, for those who missed it, we had a great meeting, a market share meeting, which we have the leadership team from Beaten Bow Homes from Lubbock, Texas, come out. Yeah. Um, and it's like, why would you have a, a business group, leadership team come out? Uh, because they're a kingdom business, they're a kingdom yeah. enterprise, and, and we I, have a lot I, in common. I think that's what we're, you know, if, if those of you are familiar with market share, it meets basically what, once a month? Yeah, our market share meeting will meet once a month Saturday. We have free breakfast. We have awesome breakfast. Yeah, and and it was a great breakfast. That was, yeah, <laughs> yeah we have awesome breakfast provided. Um, and what I loved was uh, here we are in the, you know, the beginnings of a wonderful summer uh, when time is precious. Yeah. And you know what? That uh, that overflow room was full of people. Yeah, we have hungry people. About 100 people in there. And yeah. we and we just, we there were four people on the team. They shared their testimony. They shared their stories of how God has impacted their business, how they have lived in yeah. kingdom style. It's not Christian style, kingdom style. And uh, we, we peppered them with tons of questions. But yeah. I mean, it was phenomenal. There were things that was shared that was uh, out of this world, like people have never heard of before. Like, in, for example, in this business climate, in our current housing climate, which if you're a builder, real estate, you know the prices have gone up and up yeah. and up. Uh, the demand's gone up and up, and they just followed the Lord. They heard the Lord told them specifically, we need to reduce our margins, which is millions and millions of dollars for them. Yeah. Um, but they were like, this is God's business, and we have to obey. I mean, yeah. these are the practical things. When you hear the stories of, of uh, real-life applications of of biblical truth, you know, yeah. like sometimes I think you and I, you know, we're in the church, and I just want to say this for you, a little pastor venting here. <laughs> you know, we, we preach and, and teach the Scripture to equip you to live a godly life in your arena. And we know that most of the folks that are at church on Sunday are not, you know, uh, fivefold ministry, uh, full-time, quote, pastors, uh, things like that. Uh, your job is out in the marketplace. But here's the truth we try to get across. The principles of the gospel don't just work like in church. They work in real life. And uh, and when you, you know, when we, for instance, what I always love is, you know, we, we preach that the gospel of the kingdom is not a gospel of scarcity. Yeah. You know, you don't need to live, you know, if somebody else gets blessed, you don't need to live with fear that somehow their blessing means you are you have less. Yeah. You know, that the kingdom is ever increasing and God has a way of expanding ideas and expanding resources. And so we can live with our, with our hands wide open. And, you know, when these folks are sharing about what I love was, you know, got... You say you come to me. I'm I'm the home builder, and we're under contract. And and all of a sudden, prices go up. Well, if prices go up, and you're under contract, I have to honor your contract, right? Because right? because you know that. In other words, I have to eat that right. expense. But guess what happens if prices go down? Um, 
these folks actually go and they readjust the expense and they make the cost of the house lower yeah. uh, because prices went down and they come bring you a check, <laughs> a, you know, a refund yeah. check. And it's like, who operates that way? And yet it's so supernatural because the, the focus is on how do I take care of my customer and these people and trust the Lord is going to take care of me and, and the business side yeah. of things. They say clearly your customers and your business is not your provider. God yeah. is your provider. Yeah. You know, and God cares about relationships. Yeah, that, that's good for everybody watching today. You know, your your job, mm -hmm. the marketplace is not your provider. It's a, a means to an end. God is our source. And that just that simple truth right there is yeah. like life transforming. Yeah, and something they say all the time is, you know, in the kingdom of God is not competition, it's collaboration. Yeah. And that's why when other kingdom builders or kingdom business guys come to them, they willingly freely give out their secret sauce. You know, their plans, their yeah. systems, their operations uh, freely, even to quote-unquote competitors. If they're a kingdom business, because in the kingdom there's no comp competition, it's collaboration. Yeah. And they really believe and God has blessed them tremendously. They have grown tremendously. And, and that's part of the vision behind what we're doing with market share. Yeah. We, we really believe that when Christian uh, men and women, uh, marketplace men and women, come together and really embrace the principles of Christ and his kingdom and let Jesus be Lord, let Jesus be the owner of of your company, or Jesus be Lord over you in the workplace. Uh, I, I've said this for a while now. It, it doesn't matter what the, the uh, market economy is in America or the world. There is a parallel, almost kingdom economy that could happen, um, the synergy, a collaboration that could happen among God's people that is just dynamic and awesome and exciting. And that, yeah. that's really what we're after is to see what happens when we take Jesus out of the church box and, and bring him into the, the marketplace? Absolutely, and we're super excited because yeah. we, 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 I made the distinction every time when market share because people need to be reminded, you know, kingdom business uh, is very different from what I call Christian business. And the kingdom church is different from what I call a Christian church. Right. We're tying to some of this material later, but the point is uh, to be a kingdom business or enterprise church, it's, it's not about you. It's not about what you want. It's not about your agenda. Right. It's about listening to God, obeying, and really submitting everything to Him. And that's not easy. Right. I mean, you can grow up in the church. You can be a pastor's kid like myself. You can do all Christian stuff. Yeah. But at the end of the day, your heart's really about you. Yeah. And you don't, you're not dying to yourself. In the kingdom, you submit yourself to the king. And that is, over and over again, I see with people, they can be a nice person. They can go to church. They can do their Bible studies. But in the, the day, it's about them. Right. So what, when, we, when we really ask people to submit to the kingdom, it's a big challenge. Yeah. But when we do that, the blessing flows. Now, but and also, there's a Kingdom at Work conference coming up uh, in October, October, I believe. October, yeah. Uh, and come out to Market Share if you're in the area. Uh, yeah. We have a Market Share meeting. Uh, we always post those on our website. You just got to sign up for it against free breakfast. We do it one Saturday a month, our next meeting coming up in July. I don't have the date in front And we had another really great gathering um, uh, Sunday night, which is our, our what we call uh, Common Ground. And that's our young adults ministry. T yeah. Tell everybody a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, we really believe that, you know, most churches has a great children ministry, a youth ministry, and then a lot of ministry move to kind of a different season of life in which you have kids or you have a steady job, you're married, you're moving on, but they're in between phase between. So I, when you graduate high school yeah. and before maybe you get married or married have kids, start yeah. that part of your yeah. life, there's this, and that's usually when a lot of people typically fall off the face of the earth uh, yeah. when it comes to their walk with the Lord. So there's, there's some great foundation that's 
or terrible foundation that's laid during that time. You're making some very important decisions. I know that that was a crucial period yeah. of my my life that the Lord did a lot of work, and we just want to come along people in this phase and really walk with them. You know, and and what I've really seen is there's a lot of hungry young people who don't even go to our church. A lot of people who young people, um, young adults in our church who are plugged in, they're kind of good relationally. Yeah. But, but a lot of people who are just hungry, who are just like, we're looking for a good church. We're looking for a good fellowship in this season because this is such a crazy, lonely yeah. and, season. And you make a lot of major decisions in that Absolutely. season of your life. And sometimes you can make wrong decisions and you pay for it the rest of your <laughs> Absolutely. life. Absolutely. So we really encourage you too, if you're a, a young adult, uh, make sure you come on out, check out our website. We we do the uh, Common Ground meetings you know, once a month as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm really excited about Sunday. Of course, Sunday is Father's Day and for the Johnson household, uh, ramping up to Father's Day, we've got my son's wedding, <coughs> excuse me, coming up uh, this week. So my family's all coming into town. So yeah. I'm gonna be excited to- uh, to see them busy yeah. busy weekend and then yeah. like you say on sunday we uh is father's day and uh, i'm really really excited that my son ronnie who is a pastor out in uh, colorado i had a wonderful church called red rocks church he's going to be with us in fact if you'd like to hear a, a previous podcast that i was able to do with him uh, it was a great podcast we, we talked about um just what it was like growing up as as Ron Johnson the uh, third, following two generations of pastors, mm-hmm. and and how he had to kind of struggle with his own identity and 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 finding his way. Uh, and that was episode eight. So if you go uh, to uh, the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast webpage, uh, where we list all of the uh, our podcasts, go back to episode eight, and I think you would really enjoy listening to that um, interview that I did with my son. But he's going to be sharing Sunday, and we've got a great a great day of worship planned for everybody. You're gonna uh, you're gonna not want to miss uh, what's going on on Sunday as we celebrate Father's Day. No, that's great. So, well, all let's right. get into our. Yeah, topic today. We started a new topic last week. Super exciting topic called Five Barriers to Christian Cultural Leadership." You know, as if you've seen the last couple of decades, you see the church kind of slowly retreating from all the cultural battles and cultural engagement yeah. um, through many, many different ways. But really, my understanding is a mindset shift. Yeah. Our minds start to think, "Oh, we don't belong." Yeah. And I think these are we we have these. You have broke these ideas down to five barriers that really identifies why we're losing ground in many cultural and, issues. And these are barriers, again, that are, are like you said, they're, they're mental barriers. Yeah. They're, they're, I, they're wrong beliefs that keep the church um, in bondage and keep the church from being who God's called us to be. And I guess we're trying to answer the question, how do we go from an America that was so uh, Christ-centered and so built on powerful biblical principles, we, we could spend podcasts on that. We probably will at some point in time yeah. uh, to a nation today that is so godless and almost a, a hatred for anything uh, of a Judeo-Christian worldview. Yeah. Uh, how did that happen? Yeah. And um, I, I think this explains how that happened. And I was just talking about this with my wife the, uh, yesterday morning. It's very interesting. Like, you know how lightning and thunder, you see lightning and the thunder kind of follows right. a little bit? right. I think so many things in life, it's your mind and your action follows. And there's a there's a little time period in between. And a lot of times people aren't connecting the dot. They focus on the action, not realize it's yeah. the mindset. They, they focus on the uh, 
What the thunder? And, yeah, because uh, it, it comes late. Yeah, it comes later. Late so the they react to the thunder is loud, but not realizing it's the mindset you have to change. And sometimes it takes a couple years for the action to follow the mindset. So you just focus on the action. And I love what you're doing right now because you're engaging on not the symptom but the root, which is the mindset. Yeah. Now, when we start changing that mindset, it might take a few years for that to turn to action. But the sooner we do it, the better. It's right? like plant, it's like planting seeds. Yes, yeah, exactly. You put seeds in the ground, you don't get fruit instantly. Uh, but but those seeds are are laying a foundation for a harvest that's going to right. come. And I think, you know, the more we can start reversing this trend now with ideas and planning ideas of truth in the church and re really having the church uh, return to her former glory, yeah. uh, then we can see our nation also uh, experience spiritual revival and awakening. So um, last week we talked about the first cultural barrier, and I encourage you to go back uh, if you if you missed it to uh, last episode. Uh, and it was we talked about spiritual pacifism. Spiritual pacifism is basically this uh, idea that the church needs to just check out, let let the cultural battles of our day uh, go on without our, our involvement, uh, that we just need to, to be the church and we need to avoid conflict at all costs. And it's almost this yeah. view that if the church stands up for truth and if we're confrontational in any way, um, that we're actually hurting the gospel because it makes us come across as a bunch of meanies. Not, <laughs> right. we're, we're not nice people. Right. And, and if we're not nice, you know, we're going to jeopardize, you know, uh, the gospel somehow. And yet we shared, you know, the, the whole premise of planet Earth is that this planet is a contested planet. Satan is after the souls of people. Jesus is after the souls of people. Uh, and this planet is a battleground. And if you, if you think the planet Earth is a love boat instead of a battleship, uh, if your approach is, you know, just let's give everybody a warm group hug, um, yeah. then you realize quickly that you're you're out of touch with reality. You're going to get your brains beat out, and I think that's why the church has been getting her brains beat out for, for decades. You now. know, we've been talking about this idea of core value a lot in our leadership, like basically help you identify what's really important. And for me, spiritual pacifism, which if you think about it, it's kind of true— and a lot of ideas, it's basically saying the number one core value up there, one of the top priority core values not hurt people's feelings for the church. That's yep. what spiritual pacifism is, right? Yep. You hurt my feelings, how dare you be a church? Well, that didn't exactly flow with Jesus because Jesus hurt a lot of people's feelings. You know, so did the apostles. So and, did the disciples. and our goal isn't to hurt people's it's not feelings. The point, but, the, but that's not the top highest values to make sure we don't hurt. I mean, we don't want to go around hurting people's right. feelings, but that can't be our number one value. We, we forget these <laughs> these the truths that you know who was who was more kind more holy more beautiful yeah. more perfect than Jesus yeah. as a person. Right. And Jesus said, "If they hated me." Yeah, they're going to hate you. If they killed me, they're going to kill right. you. They're going to persecute you. And so uh, we have to dispel of this notion that somehow uh, if we're being the church and we're being nice, the whole world's going to love us. In fact, I, I would warn you that if the world loves you, there's probably something wrong. Right. Uh, there's something compromised about the message that you're preaching because you're not preaching the cross. You're not right. preaching repentance. You're not preaching truth. Uh, you're probably preaching a woke gospel that, uh, at least for now, finds the acceptance of the world. But sure. eventually, uh, you know, the alligators uh, coming after us. Would, would, would if they eat you last, they're still going to eat you. Yes. So, you know. Exactly. Yeah. So that was a whole spiritual pacifism thing. And I encourage you to check it out if you missed the podcast from last week. So let's let's yeah. get into today's topic. Yeah. Today we're going to talk about gospel minimalism. 
Gospel minimalism. That sounds like a little. Barely pronounced that word. (laughs) What is gospel minimalism? Uh, It's like uh, there was the beer commercial not too many years ago said, uh, taste great, less filling, taste great, less filling. In other words, uh, I think we shrink the gospel down uh, to its most bare form uh, or a minimalist gospel instead of a comprehensive gospel. And let's talk about that for a little bit. You know, this was probably before, not before your time, but before your child-rearing time. You know, I I was raising all those Disney movies and kids' movies uh, when I was raising eight children. One of my favorites, I have to admit, was was the classic, you know, uh, Honey... I shrunk the kids. I, I'm not that. I'm not that young. I remember watching that. I love that movie. That was I was a, a kid movie. when I watched so, it, but yeah. But somehow the guy is a mad experiment, you know, scientist, yeah. and doing all the home stuff, and accidentally shrinks the kids, and now they're out in the, running around. You know, and they got giant ants coming after yeah. them. It seemed like just giant, sucked in by the vacuum so, yeah, and all that. <laughs> that was great. Part of uh, broom but, or whatever. Yeah. But I think we have created a, a similar problem. Yeah. I, I call it this, honey. Uh, we shrunk the pulpit, or honey, we shrunk the gospel, because I really believe that pastors are guilty of shrinking and minimalizing the gospel message, so much so that we shrink our congregations. And what I mean by that is the church itself loses its power and loses its influence and loses the the might that we were supposed to have as a force on planet Earth and in the, in the world. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I, I like to talk about this as the curse of myopic ministers. In other words, when your pastor is is a myopic, he's nearsighted. He cannot see the distance. He cannot see the scope of the gospel. He produces cowardly congregants. Mm. So what what you ha- what happens is that if we shrink the gospel. Uh, to where it becomes irrelevant in a larger culture, we create worshipers who avoid conflict and who are afraid to stand up for truth, who actually feel like it's not their place mm. because it's somehow out of the purview of the gospel. And, you know, we talk a lot about it in our culture today. Many many of the media outlets have pronounced death to the Christianized America, you know, America as we knew it. Uh, that the culture wars are over, the left, the progressive left has won, and you Christians just need to stay in your church and mind your own business. And there are some pastors that think, hey, this is great. This is where we should have been all the time, you know. <laughs> they make fun of some of the previous reformer-type pastors, you know, for getting involved in culture. You know, the Jerry Falwells, Moral Majority, Pat Robertson, any anybody, you know, uh, D. James Kennedy, any of these pastors that were bold uh, statesmen and, and, you know, speakers of truth to the larger culture, now they're often looked look down upon as <coughs> if somehow they, they miss the gospel. Mm-hmm. But I would ask this question. What is the gospel that you're talking about? Yeah. I think we have to get back and define what the gospel is. And so introduce this for us a little bit because you, you've already alluded to it. You yeah. talk about the gospel of salvation versus the gospel of the kingdom. We talk about a Christian business owner versus a business owner who is a kingdom business right. owner. Um, and, and that kingdom Christian term, I want to flesh that out a little bit and and, and help us understand that. And, and those are my terms. So, I mean, I'm not saying if you're a Christian business owner, that's a bad thing. I just, for clarification, it's a distinction, distinction yeah. that I have made. But, I mean, I, I for me, at the end of the day, the Jesus says, you cannot follow me unless you take up a cross and follow and, and die to yourself and follow me. Yeah. And that is not, I mean, taking up your cross 
and you got to die to yourself. Those are not like fun things. Those are not like, yeah, I can't wait to go go take up a cross and 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 lay down my own life. There's a degree of death that needs to come to it. And when something comes too easy or it's too smooth, you kind of think, wait, is that really the right path? Is that really the path? Yeah. Not that everything needs to be torturous or painful, or whatever. But there's a degree of saying it's not about you. Well, and we and we talk about the this podcast is its goal is to bring lordship, mm-hmm. Jesus' lordship, yes, to life, meaning. Uh, you know, we talk about making something come to life. What we're trying to do is show you how the Lordship of Jesus makes all of our lives, every aspect of life, come to life. Yeah. But it literally means Christ is Lord over every dimension. And I think that's what you're talking about. You know, to become yeah. a Christian isn't just a prayer, prayer, and show up at church, you know, uh, whenever you feel like it kind of thing. It's really to bring every aspect, every dimension of your life Absolutely. under his kingdom and, under his lordship. And what that looks like is literally you have to die to yourself and then there's a resurrection that happens, right? And in that resurrection, there's a new life. And that's not like something that happens just once in your life. At least not for me. It's happened over. It's constantly happening. You know, there's other, there's aspects about parenting. I have to die to myself. I have to lay down my life. I would say, hey, God, it's not about my way. It's about you. And the Lord resurrects me to new feelings, new emotions, new passions. You know, uh, same thing with ministry or business. And I think it's the same thing when the gospel of the kingdom is really about laying down all your life and submitting your your everything to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now let's that's, that's, that's take that to education. Let's take that to business. Let's take it to government. Yep. Yep. You know, the, the gospel of kingdom is saying everything in the world should submit to the kingdom of God. That's why the word kingdom is so key. And I want to go back yeah. even just to establish, you know, if you say, well, what did Jesus come to do? What, what was the gospel Jesus preached? Yeah. Most pastors say, well, it, he preached the gospel of salvation, that we need to be born again, that we need to invite Christ into our heart. We need to repent of our sins and ask Jesus into our heart. And we all would say a hearty amen to that. Amen. Right. Right. That's that's the beginning place, but but the message Jesus preached scripturally is broader than that. And I want to just give you this is just a, a sample because we could spend we could spend a, a whole month of podcast just on this topic alone. But here here's the uh, uh, here's some examples. For instance, Mark chapter one verse fourteen. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Notice the message Jesus was preaching is the gospel of the kingdom of God. God's domain, God's rule, God's reign. Here's another example later in Mark's gospel. This is Mark chapter 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. There it is again. And healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And so we see the scope of Jesus' ministry. He's preaching a gospel that says God reigns over the earth. And he's preaching a gospel that says Jesus is Lord even over sickness and disease. And Jesus is demonstrating the authority that he has as he's preaching this gospel of the kingdom. Last verse I'll mention, Proverbs, or, or I'm sorry, Matthew 24, 14. And the gospel of the kingdom, not the gospel of salvation only, but the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. And so we see again, over and over again, yeah. what did Jesus preach? The gospel of the kingdom. Can I interject real quick? Yeah. One more passage about the Lord's Prayer. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as this is in heaven. I'm yeah. taking out just a second. The model prayer, prayer, yeah. That's what Jesus taught us to pray is for his kingdom. I mean, we have to fundamentally see that the purpose Jesus came is to usher in a new kingdom. It's not just to bring out a feel-good message. 
Okay, it's the usher. People don't get killed like Jesus did for a feel-good message. You know, he came into a declaration of a new kingdom, a declaration of war uh, against the kingdom of darkness. And that's our message that he's ushering. He's the king of a brand new system, a brand new way of thinking, a brand new yeah. way of interacting. And he gave us the rules of engagement of his new kingdom. Like you want to be first, you need to be last, right? right. Yeah, you have to live, you got to die. Yeah. That gave us a culture. And this is a brand new system that he's ushering in. Exactly. And so, you know, I tell pastors all the time, we got to stop this preaching this Sunday school Jesus. Well, what do I mean by Sunday school Jesus? I mean, getting people together, telling everybody all the nice stories from the Bible, or the stories of what happened in the past, or focusing on someday when we're gonna to go to heaven. I mean, we need to know the stories from the past, and we certainly believe in the blessed hope, Christ's imminent return, we're excited about all of that, but we're not living in the past, and we're not living in the future. We're, yeah. we're living in the present, and so the pastors that preach a gospel of salvation preach a gospel many times of disengagement, because they say basically, that's not our focus. We just want to get people saved, or we just want to have Sunday school classes with flannel boards where we tell people stories about about world changers and heroes of the past. But yeah. somehow, we've lost this. And and I, I challenge pastors all the time. You know, what is the role of the pastor today in public life? Have yeah. you ever thought about that? Like, what do pastors do not at church? Yeah. Like out there, and and. I, I jokingly say, pastors, you have become professional chicken blessers. <laughs> and what I mean by that is if there is any public form of prayer or if we ask anything of the Lord or talk to God anywhere in public, it's usually at a dinner meeting and there might be a prayer over the food if we're not too worried about offending somebody. And so what's sad is the, the pulpits of today have become filled with political chicken blessers, pulpit chicken blessers, that's all we do in the yeah. public arena. And to me, that is pathetic that we will would allow that to happen, that, that our powerful role of leading the people of God and speaking uh, biblically to every issue under the sun that the Bible addresses um, ha has been so reduced to this, honey, I shrunk the pulpit kind of a message uh, you know, we should be ashamed that we've allowed ourselves to be so neutered uh, from public expression and from the influence that God intended for men of God to have in the larger culture. Um, and and I, I just, have, I, I, I've determined in my own heart, I'm not going to be a chicken blesser. Uh, I'm more than a chicken blesser. Thank God. Do you believe I'm more than a chicken blesser? You are more than All right, a chicken good. blesser. All right, good. Well, I believe I am too. You know, but it's time we start acting that way. Yeah. You know, for me, this was a game changer. I, I you know, I, uh, some of you may or may not know, but I'm the uh, Indiana uh, pastor for Family Research Council, uh, the state representative, the liaison, so to speak, for Family Research Council, Tony Perkins, wonderful uh, organization in Washington, D.C. And for years, I went out to the pastor's conference. We have a tour of the Capitol, uh, and we were introduced to our nation's godly heritage. And most importantly, we were introduced to the uh, patriot pastors that were responsible, you know, largely for the founding of America. Mm -hmm. And uh, these were giants. I mean, these were amazing men of God who were fearless. They were bold. They applied the word of God to, to every situation that was going on. In fact, if there would not have been a biblical basis 
poured into um, our, our, our America, the, the, the fledgling America, there would never have been a theological foundation for the revolution that took place. That was not an act of just, you know, rebellion. Right. That was a theologically calculated decision based on liberty and based on the truth of Scripture right. to dissolve our, you know, our union with Great Britain. Absolutely. Um, but it was theologically driven, and the underpinnings of that, the 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 the, uh, uh, the grid work uh, of ideas was laid in place not from uh, the news media, not from <laughs> government officials. The government not officials, from Harvard, not from time. Harvard or Yale. It, it was it was the pulpits of America that were preaching the principles of right. liberty that came from God's word. So so pastors, instead of thinking of yourself as just a person who preaches on Sunday or Sunday school, how about thinking of yourself as the ambassador and the architect or the, or, or the engineers of a brand new society based on the kingdom of God? Absolutely. The infrastructure well, builder. Good. Yes. You know, the one who builds, and you think about when you go into a new community, you got to build, lay out the blueprint for infrastructure. You got to know where to do sewage, pipeline, yeah. develop land. But there is a master plan. There's a plan. And God's given us plan. And for us, we're the spiritual and the social and emotional engineers of creating this infrastructure. Sometimes, you know what, I, I, I we, you and I work with broken people, broken hearts, addicts, uh, broken families all the time. And I look, we look at the junk of this and I, yeah, we want to continue to work with them. We want to heal hearts, all that stuff. But sometimes I get so fired up because I'm like, the infrastructure is so broken. All we are doing is dealing with the symptoms of it. That's and good. we're not dealing with the spiritual infrastructure for our community to fix this so that this stuff won't happen. Yeah. You know, And we have been give, at, given the access and the power and the key to the kingdom to bring that into pass. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying people accept that or understand that. But to me, that's our mandate from the kingdom of God. When God says go and, and take this gospel and just Disciple all nations. That to me, disciple is talking will bring the kingdom, ushering kingdom to all aspects of life. Well, you bring up a good point. We, we constantly are dealing with symptoms. And when you're dealing with, with the, the, the fruit, the offshoot, but you don't deal with the root. Yeah, uh, it's like walking around in your garden, and all you're doing is, is breaking off the top of all the roots. Well, in a matter of weeks, come back, yeah. it's coming right back, and it's going to yeah. be bigger and stronger than ever. Yeah. Um, so we have to think systematically. We have to think foundationally, and we have to take our minimalist gospel that is so tiny that only deals with eternity and heaven, but doesn't deal with the issues of earth and the way that we live and the and the culture that we create for the glory of God. Yeah. We've got to get rid of our minimalist gospel. And here's what I noticed when I when I studied the Patriot pastors, pastors of 200 years ago. Um, two points that I want to want to touch on. Number one, they had a comprehensive Christianity. It was a Christianity that encompassed all of life. It mm -hmm. spoke about marriage and family and education and government and freedom and Marketplace and business. And yeah. and, I mean, it, it the gospel touched every arena. And that's the America, by the way, that we're living in now when we see uh, the hospitals and the, the the love for people and the desire to care for people and the love for justice and truth. Yeah, Christian all, schools, these private this schools. This is all know. our yeah. biblical yeah. roots that that are now sure. being you know attacked. Um, but one of my favorite quotes from Carl Henry, who's a great theologian, he said, "The task of the people of God is." as far as possible in a sinful society. So there are some limitations because of sin. Mm -hmm. But here's the task of the people of God, to reclaim the cosmos for God's created purposes. Mm -hmm. That's good. Now, the cosmos is the entire universe yeah. <laughs> created by God. Right. And when I first heard that quote, man, something exploded in my heart. Right. 
I realized that I don't, as a pastor, I'm not a minimalist. I'm a comp- comprehensive yeah. universalist in the sense that, that the gospel is as big as the universe. It's not as big as only the human heart. Yeah, and I want to ask the pastors out there, hearing that, does that light a fire in your heart or does that completely intimidate you? I mean, for, it's, it should do both. Yeah, it should do both. <laughs> you know, some of you might lean one way or the other, but some of you should be fired up. You're in power. See, that's yeah. really your call. Reclaim I remember the waking up, I was like, ah, Lord, what are we going to do today? Yeah. You know, reclaim the cosmos for the glory of God. And, and I want to say in, in the in the in the worldly sense, there's are people who are all one about exploration. They want to claim, they want to explore Mars and all these different things. And I and I get it. There's a there's something in our hearts that wants to conquer. We want yeah. to claim, we want to explore, and so forth. But a lot of that in the Christian's heart. How about doing that for the kingdom of God? Mm-hmm. You look out in your in the terrain today. You look out in the wilderness. You see the brokenness. You see the corruptions. Yeah. Are you saying, hey, I guess I'm speaking for myself. You know, I, this is much bigger than me. But I look at the world. I'm like, man, God wants to expand his kingdom in every arena. That's why we did the market share because the, I was so we were so interested in how the kingdom of God can intersect and 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 claim the business, the marketplace. But that's just what the does beginning. the marketplace look like when Jesus Christ is Lord? And when we met the Beanbow guys, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's crazy. They are doing it and they're doing is impacting powerfully and it's fulfilling what the gospel says. But what about education? What about healthcare? What about economy? What about more and more and more and more and more? That should light. I mean, there's so much vision in that statement in itself. It's yeah. incredible. And that's why I think this podcast is important and this truth is important because every single pastor I've met that has a minimalist approach to scripture and that, that would define the gospel as simply salvation, mm-hmm. a message of salvation. They're disengaged. Their churches are disengaged. I say, hey, let's stand up for life. Oh, no, that's that. we don't engage in politics. No, it's life. This is a yeah. biblical issue. Hey, right. stand with me for marriage. Marriage is under attack. Let's stand up uh, and proclaim uh, God's order and design for marriage. Oh, no, that's being political. We don't, we, we don't want to be political. Um, and it's it, it's it stems from pacifism. Uh, we won't want to offend anybody. And minimalism. Uh, that's not our. That's not our lane. Stay yeah. in our lane. Stay in our lane. Um, well, yeah, you're going to be uncomfortable when you're pushed out of out of your current understanding of the gospel. When I first ran for office, um, I was like, man, this is uncomfortable. I'm going off to to fundraising events, and some of those were in in environments that I wasn't used to being in. <laughs> and I realized, you know what? I'm called to be salt and light. I'm called to bring Jesus everywhere that I go. And the reason I'm not, I'm not comfortable in some of these environments is, number one, because they don't look very much like Jesus. And number two, because as pastors, we're not used to being there. So, yeah, there's going to be some uncomfortableness as we begin to realize, you know what, we need to to learn about a lot more things than just reading our Bible verses as pastors. We need to be able to apply these truths of the Bible to many different disciplines. And I just want to say this, and this is a challenge to all of us, myself included. Who are the intellectual giants mm-hmm. in, in uh, uh, colonial America? It was the pulpits. It, the, the, pre, the pastors were the ones people went to for guidance, not just about their soul and about eternity, but about life. And, uh, and we need to study to show ourselves approved in the scriptures and then in making applications yeah. to, to all of And how things. about this one? We see our people, the people who are come to our church, as emissaries to the marketplace. So the primary place of ministry and primary place of calling is not necessarily in the church, but exactly where they were. So they can usher the kingdom of God to where they are. So when they come to church on Sunday, this is just a training ground. It's where they get encouraged. But ministry for them happens out from Monday to Friday. 
to, That's to right. Saturday. They're bringing the kingdom into to, their, to their marketplace. Their and they're seeing people to be empowered out there instead of in here and, in the church. And isn't this uncomfortable? If, you, if you're a marketplace person, what we're trying to tell you is the church is not here to preach a salvation message every Sunday and hope that some unsaved person stumbles in. Yeah. You work with unsafe people every day. They're surrounding you. Who who is best fitted to reach lost people than you? The job of the church is to equip you so that you're on mission when you leave the church building. Um, Instead of us saying, hey, bring all your friends that don't know the Lord, and then I'll preach a message, and I'll pray for them at the altar. No, we're equipping you to do that. We're equipping you to reach your neighbors, you to reach your business colleagues, and uh, and the Holy Spirit wants to do that to you. In fact, that's the that is the pattern of the New Testament, in the Book of Acts. Most of the action took place not in the four walls of the church. That's where the training took place. The action took place out in the marketplace, yeah, in the homes, in the marketplace, and where in and, your uh, sphere. Of so, influence. so this is stretching for all of us. It's so much yeah. easier for you just to come to church. I'll preach a nice message to you, a nice message of engagement, a nice narrow message that makes you feel warm and fuzzy, a Sunday school Jesus, mm-hmm. while the culture goes to hell and we take no responsibility yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, what a tragedy. I'm gonna stay in my lane. So, so first of all, uh, I would say this: the colonial pulpits were a comprehensive gospel. Those were people that understood the big picture. Mm -hmm. Secondly, and this is what we've got to recover today too, those pulpits were prophetic pulpits. They were pulpits that spoke the truth about life and the authority of Jesus and applied it with boldness. And there was fire and there was zeal and there was intensity about the message. In fact, I I love this quote from King uh, George III. He said, the American Revolution is a Presbyterian revolution. Mm. He blamed uh, America's uh, revolution on the church and, in particular, Presbyterian pulpits, (laughs) the black-robed regiment. It was the black-robed pastors who were declaring all the abuses of Great Britain on the colonists uh, and declaring why these things were wrong based upon biblical truth. Hey, you're not learning that in history class today. No, you're not learning any of this today. And he, and King George III said it was the pulpit that was responsible, in particular yeah. the Presbyterian pulpit, for the, the uh, revolution that was taking place in the colonies. Yeah, wow. So, I mean, that's, that's a compliment. Yeah. I, I mean, to, to, yeah. to have that said over you. Uh, historian Frank Moore said this, the preachers of the revolution did not hesitate to attack the great social and political evils of their day. Whoa. So where did most of the heat come from? For If you're King George III, where's most of his criticism coming from? The pulpit. Yeah. Who was speaking out against politicians who were wicked and who were, who were usurping God-given rights? Where did that criticism come from? The pulpits. And now today, uh, we have those that would tell pastors, you guys need to keep your mouth shut. Uh, If you're going to keep your 501c3 uh, tax-exempt status and you need to mind your own business, stay in your lane, preach a minimalist gospel, preach a spiritual pacifist gospel, shut your mouths and just stay within the four walls of your church. That's exactly what politicians want to happen because who is supposed to hold politicians' feet to the fire? Who's supposed to speak truth to power? It's the church. It's the role of God's people. So of course you're going to hear secularists tell us to shut our mouths. 
mind our own business, threaten us with the removal of our 501c3 tax exempt status. So what? We need to be about our Father's business, Amen. and we need to be speaking truth to power. This is the role of the church. It's called being prophetic. It's called raising up God's view on the issue and applying it to politicians and to their policies. That's what kept America great, and that's what led to the revolution in the first place. They did not hesitate to attack the great social and political evils of the day. Do we have social and political evils in our day? Absolutely. And a minimalist pulpit will never touch on those issues because somehow that's not our job. Our job is just to preach Kind messages, yep. tell people to love each other, yep. uh, and uh, and someday Jesus is going to come back and fix it all. Um, but that's not the gospel of the kingdom, and that's that's not a comprehensive prophetic gospel. So uh, let me end with with my favorite quote uh, from the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., which, you know, we're grateful for the civil rights legacy, uh, but what you need to understand is that civil rights legacy did not come in a moral vacuum. Martin Luther King Jr.'s message came from a Judeo-Christian worldview. It was a message rooted in biblical truth. It was not a message that came out of violence, burning down buildings, toppling statues, uh, causing chaos. Nonviolence. It was a nonviolent revolution um, that basically was an appeal to righteousness. It was raising a standard. It was creating a prophetic vision for a better future, uh, a more perfect union. Uh, and this is what Martin Luther King Jr. said, one of my favorite quotes of all time. He said, the church must be reminded that it is not the master or the servant of the state, but rather the conscience of the state. It must be the guide and the critic of the state. If the church does not recapture its prophetic zeal, it will become an irrelevant social club without moral or spiritual authority. <laughs> it wow. will become non-essential. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> Summarize that, yeah. An irrelevant social club <laughs> lacking moral or spiritual authority. You know yeah. what? Here's why the church, as you've just pointed out, why many people view the church as non-essential and basically told all of us just to stay home during this last COVID thing. Yeah. It's because we have nothing to offer. Yeah. Our voice is irrelevant. Our impact is minimal. Our influence is next to nothing. We sit around telling Sunday school Jesus stories. Um, we won't talk about the issues, so our people aren't getting any kind of biblical insight on the most critical issues of our day. There's not a bit of prophetic courage in the pulpit. Uh, and so people go, why do I want to go sit and waste an hour on Sunday? Let's just stay home. Yeah. Maybe the best thing we can do is stay home and try not to infect somebody. Well, how about we show up and we infect the entire culture with the good news of the gospel yeah. of the kingdom, yeah. uh, which is the gospel that Jesus yeah. preached. So, how about we stay on mission what God has called us to do and trust him to provide for us and protect us and guard us? Come on. That's, well, there's a novel idea. Yeah. And you know, that's exactly what we're trying to do here. If you come to the Living Stones, you will not hear a minimalist gospel. Yes, you will hear the gospel of salvation. You must be born again. Yeah. You must repent. That's the starting point. But the good news is that begins this amazing journey yeah. where we learn what it means <laughs> to call Jesus Lord of every single aspect I, of our life. I, I just had this thought, you know, like we have lots of babies coming and um, yeah. my wife is pregnant and she's doing a couple few months. And it, imagine like if you go in training and you know, parenting class, all parenting class teaches you is how to do, how to have the baby 
Y'all can see, <laughs> which is always fun. And and even just the birth process. Right. Is that all parenting class is? <laughs> That's just the beginning. No. <laughs> well, no. What if we stop that conception? You yeah. Know? Hey, yeah. you conceive. Your Good wife's going to give done. birth. You're going to be yeah, great dad yeah, now. What, what, what would I do? There's a whole other process to care into fruition, parenting, teach, bathing them, teaching them discipline. And, and, and Jesus and, said in the, in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, teaching them to, to obey, obey all yeah. things. Yes. What are the all things? How to live your life right here, quorum Deo, before yeah. the face of God, under the Lordship of Christ, for the glory of God, yeah. and the power of the Holy Spirit, a gospel of the kingdom that's going to touch everybody's life. And here's what I love. It's going to elevate life. It's going to bring life to the fullest. Yeah. Not just eternal life. That that's, That is a given. Praise God. But it brings a quality of our life now to the fullest. So why do we call politicians to submit to the lordship of Jesus so they're not tyrants and so they don't trample our rights yeah. and so they're not greedy and so they have integrity and so the people that they're called to serve are blessed and that they don't become, you know, little mini dictators which is what we saw during COVID. Yeah. So so the church is essential. Your voice is essential. It's not just the voice of your pastor. I believe the job of the church and as we've had prophesied over us is to hand out megaphones. What are those megaphones? It's to it's to raise up leaders in every arena of life to declare the same message. Here's the message we hold in common. It's the gospel of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the message of good news. It's the message of hope. It's the message of transformation. Yeah. And it's the only message Jesus preached. And it's the message that we should be preaching as well. So yeah. I hope you got a lot out of this. Um, and this is just point number two. We've got three more <laughs> got we're going to cover. And uh, you will not want to miss it. So uh, any final comments from you, just my friend? last second. What is the kingdom? It's king's dominion. Yeah, King's dominion. You can't have kingdom without the King, you know. And we, and the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And really, all of this for us goes back to we love Jesus. We love Him so yeah. much. He's our King. He's our Lord, and He He laid His life down for our sin. We're not just doing this because we just want to do something cool. We love our King, yes. and we want to bring His dominion, His command, and, and and you know, part of my wiring is I'm loyal. I'm loyal to the person who lays that life down for me. And his command for me is take our take my dominion, expand my dominion, because my dominion will bring life to people. Yeah, it causes you to die to yourself, but then you come to life and you live life to the full. You know, so it's a, that's the true good news is his dominion. It's not just going to heaven one day. It's that even now we can live in his dominion. So this is not just like in our head. This is there's a big emotional, spiritual appeal to our people. Yeah. Let's serve our Lord and our King, the guy who laid down his life yeah. for us so that and, we can live. And we believe this message is so essential to to uh, revival in the church and, and to a reclamation, a spiritual awakening in America. Um, the church is the key to seeing our nation turn back to God. So there's probably a bunch of people that you know of who could benefit from what we just talked about today. We would encourage you you know, copy that link, send it to them, email it to them, text them, help us spread this message in uh, far and wide. Uh, What is your task today? What is my task today? What is our task today? Reclaim the cosmos for the glory of God. Wow, that'll keep us busy for a while. (laughs) So, hey, let's be about our Father's business. We love you all. We appreciate your feedback. Have an amazing day. Let's go out and preach the gospel of the kingdom. 